Hello, everybody, and welcome back to 211's Baseball Talk, episode 62 now. My name is Dylan Baker. we got a great episode for you. We'll talk Springer, Semyon, Matt's Baseball Hall of Fame, JT Ramuto, and we've got a very special guest as Andrew Stoughton joins the show. Stay tuned. 211's Baseball Talk, episode 62, begins right after this. That was Valence by Infinite walking you into episode 62 of 211's Baseball Talk. Again, my name is Dylan Baker. We've got a great episode for you today as Andrew Stoughton joins the show. You may know Andrew's work from The Score, Vice Sports, The Athletic most recently, and even Drunk Jays fans. He's now with The Bat Flip, his blog disguised as a newsletter. We'll talk about that with him a little bit, and of course we're going to do a deep dive on everything Blue Jays related from the past couple of weeks. That includes the signing of George Springer, the addition of Marcus Semien, the trade for Stephen Mack, and maybe some Baseball Hall of Fame talk if we've got some time with Andrew. We'll also talk about the Phillies re-signing JT Realmuto and some minor moves that have been made or, or lesser moves that have been made in this uh past couple of weeks there have been things going on besides the Blue Jays although they've made the biggest splashes I would say um, and of course we were off for a couple of months we do apologize and I know that there were big moves that happened while we were on hiatus if we want to talk about those, we can do so in next week's episode, and I know that there were some big moves with the Padres. I'd love to dive into that, and of course, we're going to do a season preview eventually. Hopefully, we're here for the long run this time, and uh, nothing gets in our way. So without further ado, let's bring our guest in. It's Andrew Stoughton from The Bat Flip. Joining me now is Andrew Stoughton, writer of The Bat Flip, the blog disguised as a newsletter. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, first off, tell us a little now you've worked at the athletic you've worked at the score vice sports uh drunk jays fans tell us a little bit about the bat flip what it's all about what you're going to be doing there yeah the bat flip is uh my new thing it's on Substack. it is uh like you say it's a blog disguised as a newsletter that's how i describe it because it's sort of going back to the old days the drunk jays fans days of of uh uh just a little more free form stuff like the athletic I, I wouldn't call it stuffy but it definitely has a voice that's different than some of my own stuff and uh uh it's free. Everything's free for everybody to read for now. And I think we're the way it's going, it looks like it's going to stay that way. Um, and it, it's just, it, it's been a, a wonderful start to, uh, to this that I've been doing for the last three weeks now and, and hope to, to be doing it for a long time. Uh, being my own boss, I got to tell you, uh, kind of wonderful. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm subscribed. I, I really do enjoy, enjoy your pieces coming, coming to my inbox uh, every couple of days or every day. And it, it's, it's really really awesome so if you haven't subscribed to the bat flip i strongly recommend you do so now jumping right into the blue jays news uh, a couple of weeks ago they got george springer it was announced uh, by jeff passan confirmed by jeff passan um that the jays signed george springer their big splash the biggest free agent position player on the market uh, on a six-year 150 million dollar contract that addition immediately upgrades the outfield and creates a dangerous lineup for the Blue Jays. Now, one of the themes that was talked about by a lot of people a lot of critics of this signing was that the Jays overpaid now, you think that this was an overpayment, and do you think that they might have had to overpay? Oh, I think they definitely had to overpay. I mean, that seems to be the case for just about any free agent, not just for the Jays, but for most teams. But they're definitely, you know, they're not a team like the Yankees, the Dodgers, where they can say, you know, okay, money is equal. You're going to choose the us anyway, right? I mean, they just, uh, they're, yes, there's the part of, of playing in Canada. They're playing, playing on the turf at the, at the Rogers Center. Uh, it's also just an organization that hasn't, traditionally won you don't get that 
the sense from the Blue Jays, the way you do the Yankees, that they're going to be in the hunt every single year. That's expected and demanded of them. So, uh, so yeah, I, I don't think that's, you know, even thinking about overpayments, the Blue Jays have such payroll, payroll flexibility going forward that they don't really have to worry about that, I don't think. Uh, they have an owner that is, you know, a multi-billion dollar uh, communications company. So that's obviously not an issue uh, for them. So it's, yeah, it's it's an overpay. But I think, you know, you would be hard-pressed to find a Blue Jays fan who isn't thrilled about signing, I think. For sure. Now, what do you think of that sixth year? He's going to be, I think, 37 when that sixth year rolls around. Uh, they did stack the contract. They front-loaded it a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on that sixth year? Do you think it'll come back to bite the Jays in the butt? Or do you think Springer can maintain some level of production down the road? It's a great question. I think that I think that there's a really good chance that he can remain productive. You know, I think he's clearly going to have to shift to right field at some point, but he has the arm to do that. And I think he can, you know, that may come sooner than later. But they do have Austin Martin as a prospect, to the, the, the one of the better players in the draft last year that fell to them at number five, uh, who is somebody who could play center, though he's also an infielder at the moment. Uh, but I think they have options going forward eventually when he has to move over. But yes, the very last year of the deal could be an issue, but uh, you know, Blue Jays fans will think back to Russell Martin's contract, which was, you know, the previous biggest uh, free agent signing that they had ever made. Uh, and they got nothing out of him in the last year, but it was still a tremendous win that whole contract. Uh, and so, you know, the turf is going to be tough on him and he's a guy who's not necessarily been the most durable, but I think that, uh, that they're, they're, they are still well-positioned to get a lot of value out of him. And like you say, the front-loading of the contract uh, makes a ton of sense, too. Absolutely. Springer's been a guy who has had some injury issues in the past, but when he's healthy, he is on. He's a big component of a successful team, and we saw that in Houston. Now, with the addition of Springer, this Blue Jays lineup looks very dangerous. You've got you know, Bichette, Biggio, Guerrero, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Guriel, a lot of these guys in that lineup. Where do you think that stacks up versus the other teams in the division? Obviously, the Yankees are dangerous. Um, the Red Sox are trying to build back up right now. The Orioles are the Orioles. The Rays have, have lost some pieces. Where do you think the Jays rank, not only in the AL East, but in the American League uh, all around? I mean, well, it's nice that they're one of the few teams that are actually trying to win this year, for one, <laughs> which you know, I think that, that that is a tremendous help to them. But uh, lineup-wise, I, I don't know if off the top of my head I could say, you know, start ranking the lineups, but mm -hmm. uh, I feel very confident that the Jays are going to score runs. And I think that, uh, you know, 2020 is such a weird year in which to evaluate anybody, but there was a lot of real positive stuff going on with the Jays lineup, like Rowdy Tellez, uh, worked a lot with Dante Bichette, who really seemed to click with a lot of guys as a you know sort of a hitting coach there. Uh, and Talis had a great uh, a great few weeks, I guess, <laughs> before he got hurt, but really looked like you know a different guy. Was really being more selective. Was really sort of learning the lessons that uh, that Bichette had been preaching. And, uh, and and I think that there is real reason to think that that's something that could stick. I think the same with Guriel, who's you know had trouble staying healthy in his career, but. When he's been on the field, except for a demotion at the start of 2019, he's really hit the ball incredibly well. And, and you know, for the last you know full calendar of a uh, year of games, uh, he's been an excellent hitter. Same with Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, his breakout didn't really start in 2020; it started in mid 2019. Uh, and he he looks like a different guy than what he had been before. And so there's definitely uncertainty with those guys, uh, but they're sort of wild cards. But I think that those are are are, are players who could really continue being what they were in 2020, which makes this lineup crazy ridiculous, I think. Uh, especially when you consider that Vlad just hasn't been what everybody expected yet. And if that sort of, uh, if that happens at some point, then then look out. It is just, it's going to be a punishing lineup, I think, for anybody to face. Definitely. The, the Jays have uh, a lot of young young stars in their lineup that can continue to grow uh, throughout their 
their careers as they go along. Now, they added to that lineup on Tuesday night uh, while the Hall of Fame results were being announced. Now, it's not official yet uh, from the Blue Jays, but reports are indicating the Jays signed Marcus Simeon on a one-year $18 million contract. Now, a lot of people were saying that this was an overpayment for Simeon, and that has to do maybe with him having to shift from shortstop to, to it sounds like second base, uh, potentially third as well. What are your thoughts on the addition of Simeon? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, if you just look at the pure dollars, I think MLB trade rumors had him at like one year and 14 million. So that you would have to think that that's a little bit of an overpayment. Uh, but but getting a guy of that talent on a one year deal, I think is huge and huge for the Jays. Because like I say, the payroll is not an issue right now for them. Uh, they have Ryu and, and Gritchick were the only guys really making any money before uh, they signed Springer and Semyon. So lots of room to, to still maneuver there. Uh, and, you know, I think it, it's, he is a really interesting bet. He's sort of making a bet on himself by, by taking a one-year deal and going back on the market next year. Uh, will probably be good for him to have, you know, a year at another position under his belt. He's been an elite defender at shortstop, but, uh, uh, but not always. And, and sort of some of the numbers, I mean, defensive numbers are always like that. They, they, can, they can show a lot of variance. But uh, an interesting guy as a defender, I think a guy who would be very successful at second base for the Jays if that's where they end up playing him. That's what they've been saying, even though, I probably would prefer him at third and Kevin Biggio at st- second instead of the other way around. Uh, but I think he's a guy who, this is something I wrote about this week. You know, there, there are, uh, there are underlying numbers. If you look at the way that he stopped swinging at, you know, chasing pitches out of the zone ever since he switched to a lighter and shorter bat uh, in the middle of, of uh, 2019, which was really his breakout season. Uh, there, there, there have been sort of stable uh changes in some of the underlying data i think the, the his ground ball rate and fly ball rates have also uh, are, are another one of those where uh you know he was making a concerted effort to hit the ball in the air more consistently and he's continued to do that through 2020 even though you know you look at his numbers in 2020 and they weren't great but he was kind of sunk by a rough go at the start of the year uh and then really started to hit like he was in 2019 as well so i think uh, there's a piece of Craig Edwards wrote at Fangraphs about him being a potential bargain back in November and was really bang on about it, uh, where he pointed out that, you know, if, if you the, if the season had continued 162 games, it, he would have, after his first five weeks, had about a 107 way to run creative plus or, 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 a, or a 90 or 92 or whatever it was, uh, which would have set him up to have a four or five win year in 162 games instead of just that's the end of the season. And it looks like he sort of reverted back to the guy he was before when I think there's a lot of reason to believe that he's not going to revert back to the guy that he was before 2019. So it could be just another incredibly dangerous bat in this Blue Jays lineup. Yeah, I like the signing of Simeon. I think they might have overpaid a little bit, but I think he's a he's a guy that, that can bring a lot to this lineup. Um, now, you look at the Jays lineup. We have Springer. You know, you got Griel, Hernandez, uh, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio. Vlad Guerrero. This lineup is it, it's stacked, but there are a lot of pieces that that aren't going to get. There are a couple of pieces that aren't going to get playing time. I should say. Who do you think is the most likely trade candidate if that's something the Jays are exploring to maybe get some pitching while also clearing up the logjam that is their lineup? Really good question. Uh, like every Blue Jays fan would probably tell you, you know, it would be nice to to move on from Randall Gritchick. He's kind of redundant now, uh, but I, I think he can be a really good fourth outfielder. He's a little pricey for that role. Uh, they also have like five catchers on the 40 man. So that's an area of depth and something that they, you know, 
Nobody really expects that they're going to have five guys going into the season. I think they could do it. They, you know, the Alejandro Kirk was really impressive uh, in a cameo at the end of last season and in the playoffs and, and looks like a guy who, uh, even if they don't like him tremendously behind the plate, which I think they do, but, uh, you know, he doesn't have the, a great body, especially going forward, but is a guy who, <laughs> whose bat can, can stick and can help them out. So maybe if you don't think of him as a catcher, uh, then, then the number five isn't quite as scary, but but that's definitely a spot where they would uh, would like to move from, I think as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think if you're if you're another team, if you're looking at the Jays roster, it's probably someone more like Gurriel that you're looking at, who's got a really uh, team friendly contract and has, like I said, when he's been healthy and has been healthier and healthier uh, since coming over from Cuba and, and uh, uh, you know becoming more accustomed, I think, to the the grind of the MLB season and the, the longer season here. Uh, he is the guy that I think another team would really focus in on. And if the Jays wanted to go real big in terms of getting somebody, he would be the one to uh, to make a trade like that happen. I agree. I think that Guriel is the guy that teams will will target. Um, I don't personally want to give him up, but. You know, I think that's the guy that teams the teams would look would look at getting uh, in a potential trade. Now, speaking of trades, the other day the the Jays, after they officially introduced George Springer, they made a move to acquire another pitcher. They got uh, Long Island native Stephen Matz from the Mets in exchange for Josh Winkowski, uh, Yenzi Diaz, and Sean Reed Foley. It seems like a low risk deal on the surface with with three prospects. Two of them are kind of they they made their big league debuts, weren't super impressive at the major league level. And Diaz and Reed Foley, um, I think Wichkowski ca- carries the return for the Blue Jays because he apparently showed some uh, some promise in the instructional leagues. Now, Matz is a versatile lefty who can pitch both in the bullpen and the rotation. Where do you see him fitting in on this Blue Jays squad? Well, right now it looks like the rotation, but the hope around here is that that's not the case and that they still go out and find another uh, piece to bump down everybody in the pecking order. Uh, like you say, I mean, he, you know, he throws relatively hard. He's uh, he throws strikes. He's a guy who, who really saw an increase in his, uh, in his velocity last year and the strikeout rate went up. Uh, he did, you know, last year was a total mess for him, uh, but that was one of the few positive things, but that maybe makes me think that the Jays are looking at him uh at least that he could fall back into a bullpen role, but they but will be in the mix for starting. Uh, you know, not not the the flashiest, most exciting guy that they could have acquired. Even though uh, people around here kind of uh, were puzzled by it, but like I think you're absolutely right that the 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 price that they paid to get him was not tremendously uh, uh, you know expensive. You know, I, I Reed Foley was once their top pitching prospect after like I'll say top was emptied out the system uh in 2015 basically but uh but yeah he's had chances in the big leagues and just has not looked like uh a guy who was going to be a starter and was and, and I, it's been kind of surprising for the last couple of years that they've let him continue to start um so yeah I, I don't think anybody's bothered by the loss of the the prospects uh but we'll see i mean matt's is a guy who the the blue jays will obviously have pete walker working with the pitching coach and matt bushman is the bullpen coach and those guys have uh Get real good reviews, it seems. You know, Robbie Ray came back after just a you know a month or two uh, with the club because he was really happy with the way that he was handled by the bullpen and bullpen coach, pitching coach, and, and the way that the organization uh, uh, was doing things. So that's you know that's good, and I think that there is a chance that uh, that they've got something up their sleeve that they they think they can do to to help Matt's you know get you know if there's velocity there, more spin on the sinker. Uh, but we'll 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 see. I'm not really holding my breath for uh, for a, a great Stephen Matz campaign as a Toronto Blue Jay in 2021. <laughs> okay, now now you said you want him to move to the bullpen eventually. He he slots in the rotation as of this as of the time of this recording. 
What does the bullpen look like for the Blue Jays with the addition of Kirby Yates with the potential move for, for from Stephen Matt or for Stephen Matz to the bullpen? What does the Blue Jays lo- uh, bullpen look like? In it looks like it probably could use one more sort of power arm, and I think they're out there looking. I saw a rumor about Trevor Rosenthal, and you know they were they're in on mm-hmm. Brad Hand, but I, I, you feel good about it. I mean, Tyler Chatwood is a really interesting one, another guy who throws hard, and it's it's something the Blue Jays haven't had for a long time. They've always you know uh, Ken Giles threw really hard, but he was sort of their only like elite velocity kind of guy back there, and now they have some. Real Real arms and, and uh, uh, it's kind of it's kind of exciting. You know, Rafael Delis was sort of ended up being the closer for them, which uh, you know he had a good year as a reclamation guy who had been pitching in uh, in Japan for a couple of years, uh, different guy than he was years ago when he did pitch in the big leagues and and, and looked good. Tough to watch sometimes, just a slow slow <laughs> worker. I think that you know, oh god, going at him and Robbie Ray and Matts, you know, we're gonna he's we're gonna see home runs. Ross Stripling, Tanner Rourke. There's some pitchers. I'm not particularly looking forward to watching, even though I think the team's <laughs> gonna be pretty good. Uh, they also have Jordan Romano, who was a uh, a guy that they had let go in the Rule Five. They they didn't protect him. He went to Texas and uh, and did not uh, did not impress. Came back and has was just outstanding until he started until he got hurt at the end of last year so that gives them another uh a big arm at the back of the bullpen but yates addition i think is is a great one a great bet to make obviously some risk there with the injury but uh you know he's fantastic and uh and, and i think that if they add one more piece there uh they'll really be looking pretty good i think I, I'm, I'm comfortable with where the bullpen is if Kirby Yates can even come close to where he was in, in 2019, the best reliever in baseball, according to the MLB Network that season, and the numbers back that up, I think it's it's a huge pickup for the Blue Jays, a uh, steal even on that one-year contract. All right, last question for you. I know that there was a rumor that came out today. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, the Pirates are looking to replenish their rotation with veteran guys. Do you think that there is a way that the Blue Jays could move Tanner Roark or get rid of him somehow and potentially, or, or maybe a guy like Ross Stripling, and send him to the Pirates, or or just just so that he doesn't have to pitch the team. <laughs> I would year. love that. I, I you know people are scheming about it. I know I've I've mentioned hey the L A Dodgers send us David Price. The Jays will save you a bunch of money, and you can just take Tanner Roark for as a fifth starter this year. I don't think that's a bad idea, frankly. I think the Dodgers probably would. I think it's a terrible idea, but because I, you know, I, I did watch Tanner Roark pitch last year, uh, I I don't know if that's possible. I don't know what the Blue Jays think of Roark. I know what Blue Jays fans think of him. Uh, but they obviously liked him enough to give him a, a, a two-year deal with a lot of guaranteed money. I think he makes like $12 million this year. Um, he would sure help the Pirates out, and I would sure like to see him there. But uh, I'm not sure if that's, uh, that's going to be on, on the cards. Uh, but I think it would be smart of the Jays, too, to, uh, uh, to add someone with a little more upside. And if, that, if they need to you know, shed some salary in the form of Roark to, uh, to make that happen, then I say go for it. Do you see him as a potential bounce back candidate this I mean, year at all? He can't possibly be worse than he was last year. So, <laughs> so in that sense, yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to a potential bounce back in a, in a small way this season. Andrew, thank you so much for joining the show. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew Stoughton. Subscribe to the Bat Flip. Great follow on Twitter. Great blog. Thanks for joining Anytime, us. Anytime, man. Thanks so much. That was my interview with Andrew Stoughton. We'd like to thank Andrew again for joining the show. Uh, it's great to get the thoughts of a guy like him who's been around uh, the team for such a long time on on the Blue Jays move this off season and and you heard him say something near the end of that interview about Stephen Matz and how he he would ideally like in an ideal scenario you have Stephen Matz coming out of your bullpen because he throws hard sometimes has some issues getting deep into ball games and and 
pitching well as the game progresses. So his his stuff maybe suits a bullpen role better, but as of right now, he's he's slotted into that rotation, and maybe Pete Walker, Matt Bushman, can, can work some of their magic on him. And he brought up the example of Robbie Ray, who is now back with the Blue Jays um, after just a couple of months last year post-trade deadline because he, he thought that the Jays handled him really well, and he was very pleased with the way that the Blue Jays did things, and so he was excited to come back. Maybe, you know, they can, they can use some of that on Steven Matz, but we will have to wait and see. Now, the Philadelphia Phillies made their big splash this past week as well as they re-signed JT Realmuto to a five-year, $115 million contract. Realmuto is the best catcher in baseball. I refuse to have the argument that he is not. He's a premier receiver with a cannon of an arm uh, combined with an elite bat and some speed. That makes JT Realmuto the, bet, the best at what he does. Now, the Philadelphia Phillies earlier on in this offseason mentioned that they had lost $2 billion due to the pandemic, due to this shortened season with no fans. But they just went out and signed J.T. Ramuto to a five-year, $150 million deal. Now, this is a complete contrast to what we heard at the beginning of the offseason, where we had heard that the Phillies were likely not going to be able to afford J.T. Ramuto, and then that was dismissed by their president, um, but then re-upped again by, by reporters around the league, that they weren't going to be able to, to, to re-sign him because of how much money they had lost. It looks like, somehow, some way. They've, they've got enough money to re-sign Real Muto, and, and this is big, because Bryce Harper, uh, he, he can stay happy now. Bryce signed, of course, I think it was a 10-year, $330 million contract, if I'm not mistaken, possibly longer, but, uh, but Bryce Harper signed a, a massive deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, basically confirming that he'll be a Philly for life uh, after his six years with the Nationals had, had been completed. Now Bryce can stay happy because the team is sort of in contention. I think they need a few more arms, and I think they've needed a few more arms for the past couple of years. But getting Real Muto back is huge for them because it's nice and all to have some have have good pitching. Um, but if you don't have the offense, you you need both components if you want to win a World Series. And that was shown to us with the Tampa Bay Rays: subpar offense, great pitching. And they couldn't get it done in, in the World Series this year, whereas the Dodgers had phenomenal pitching and a phenomenal offense, and they were able to win the whole thing. The Phillies need both. They don't have the pitching right now. They're, they're in a similar situation, in my mind, to the Los Angeles Angels. The Angels have a stacked lineup. That's not even up for debate. The, the LA Angels have a great lineup. Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani, Justin Upton. They've got a really good lineup. David Fletcher. Sorry, forgot about David Fletcher. Underrated, but fantastic talent. The Angels are great offensively, but if they can't pitch, they're not going to do anything. And that's what we've seen. Dylan Bundy had a great year with them last year, but they have not had that ace. And I think that if, if they are able to go for Trevor Bauer, maybe that helps them out. Although Bauer has had a couple good seasons with some bad ones mixed in as well. But I think if they're able to add Bauer, that's huge for them. It gives them an ace. I think the Phillies are not going to get Trevor Bauer, but they should be in hot pursuit of a pitcher, maybe a couple. And if they've if they've got talent coming through the system, I don't I don't have the Philly system in front of me, but they're going to need pitching if they want to succeed. And JT Realmuto is fantastic with pitchers. Archie Bradley, reliever uh, from the Reds, uh, formerly of the Diamondbacks, signed with the Phillies this offseason. His big thing, as soon as he got there, was was begging the front office to re-sign JT Realmuto because he knew it would be a joy to work with him. So. Having Realmuto definitely, definitely, definitely helps you uh, attract pitchers to your city and helps you contend because he's a he's quite the talent for the Philadelphia Phillies, and I think this is a big re-signing. Now, the Blue Jays were apparently in on JT Realmuto. Not the only guy the Jays have been in on this offseason, if you've been paying attention, um, but Realmuto elects not to go to Toronto. I think 
you know, the Jays, Andrew mentioned it in, in our interview just moments ago, the Jays have five catchers on their 40-man roster right now. Reese McGuire, uh, Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk all got big league time last season. So did Caleb Joseph, but he's not uh, signed to a contract with the team. And then I believe they've got Gabriel Moreno on the 40-man roster, and I'd have to check who the uh, remaining catcher is. I don't know it off the top of my head. But they've got a lot of catchers. I didn't think from the start that JT Ramuto was going to be a good fit here because I do believe that Gabriel Moreno is going to be a great a great prospect once he gets to the major leagues. And I think Alejandro Kirk has some great potential. Danny Jansen, didn't he? I think he was a Gold Glove finalist, or he won a Gold Glove a couple of years ago in, in, in 2019, which was his first full big league season. So that's fantastic. Great defensive catcher. If he can turn it around with the bat, maybe, just maybe, the Jays have that catching position settled. And uh, Jansen showed great, great strides with the bat in 2018 when he came up to the big leagues. All of a sudden in 2019, the offense did disappear a little bit. Um, We'll see if Jansen's able to turn it around. If he is able to do so, there's there's a there's the possibility that he is the catcher of the future for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I know a lot of people are ruling him out. I'm not I'm not ruling him out. I think Jansen has potential. I think that if he can if he can start swinging the bat a little bit better, he is the catcher for the Blue Jays down the road. I personally did not want them to get JT Ramuto this offseason. I think they had the catching position a little jammed up and uh, not signing Ramuto, although he is the best at what he does. In Major League Baseball right now, I think the Jays have a lot of catchers coming up, a lot of good catchers uh, coming up, and I think that they could they could wait a couple of years for a guy like Gabriel Moreno to come up and, and potentially work with Alejandro Kirk. Maybe that's your one-two. Maybe Danny Jansen turns it around with the bat and he stays. But the, now this catching depth can, can still be used. I mean, it, if you sign Real Muto or not, you were going to have a lot of catchers. And now these catchers can be used uh, in deals, as Andrew mentioned in our interview uh, there. Uh, the next steps of the Blue Jays, we'll, we'll talk about that next week, what's, what's, what's to come for them following the addition of George Springer. Um, the Baseball Hall of Fame results were announced on Tuesday night. Uh, nobody made the cut for the first time since 2013. Uh, the induction ceremony will take place in late July, as usual. Um, looking at the Hall of Fame ballot this year, I didn't see anybody that jumped out at me and said it would be Awful if he doesn't get into the Hall of Fame this year. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, I'm fine with them getting in the Hall of Fame. I'm equally as okay with them not getting into the Hall of Fame. To be completely honest, I don't care. I think if, if you want to put them in the Hall of Fame, great. They were great players before they took steroids. If you don't put them on the, in the Hall of Fame, they took steroids. They, they deserve not to be in there, I guess. I don't know. I see both sides of this argument. I don't really care if Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens get in the Hall of Fame. I think that they will next year. I think there's enough of a push to get them in. But I don't... I wouldn't be upset if they didn't. And I think that the Veterans Committee might might recognize that they, that they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame or that they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Really, to me, it does not matter. Um, and... Uh, Nobody on this ballot, maybe some guys in the future that, the, that could be in the Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland made a big jump. I think Scott Rowland makes it eventually. I think he deserves to make it. Um, but I don't think that, I don't think, you know, that in his fifth year of eligibility that this is a, a guy we have to get in. He's got five more years on the ballot, and I think he does get in by the end of his tenure on the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. But I don't think that there was anybody on this ballot that I said to myself, looking at it, I said, we need this guy in the Hall of Fame. There was nobody. I mean, Mark Burley, I think, ends up being a Hall of Famer. I love Mark Burley as, as a pitcher. I think he's a, he's a fun-looking dude. Um, but 
I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think he does get into the Hall of Fame as time goes along. He got above the 5%. He's going to stay on the ballot. But there was nobody, no first time, no first ballot Hall of Famer, nothing that jumped out at me and that I said, this guy has to make it this year. Nobody on the ballot that, 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 was, that was notable um, was in their last year of eligibility. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they have one more year. And I think that they can maybe make a push to get in this coming year into the Hall of Fame. We'll have to see what happens. But this year, looking at the ballot, there was no nobody that stuck out to me, and I said, this guy's got to be in the Hall of Fame, and he's got to be in the Hall of Fame now. I think that there were guys that, are, that had fantastic careers, really good careers, but they don't necessarily need to be in the Hall of Fame. Andrew Jones, a guy that I think should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think this was a necessity to get him in this year. There are guys that I think that were on this ballot in 20, 2021, that are going to make it into the Hall of Fame, but I don't think anybody's in a rush to get some of these guys in. Next year, we'll see what happens with Bonds and Clemens. Uh, we'll, we'll see what goes on there. But the other, the other side is Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. Bud Selig turned a blind eye to steroid usage for, for a, a while before they finally cracked down on it. And Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. So I can, I can understand the argument that can be made for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens to put them in the Hall of Fame. I get it. I do. Trust me. Um, but I think that... I, I, it's not going to be a big deal to me if, if, they don't, if they don't get in. So as I mentioned, the induction ceremony will take place in late July, um, as usual. Something a little bit different, though, as 2020 didn't have an induction, so there will be people inducted. Uh, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker inducted from the writers' ballots, and Ted Simmons and Marvin Miller from the Veterans' Committee. So there are still guys that are going to make it into the Hall of Fame, and you can watch that in July when, when that takes place. Um, other news and notes from around the league. The MLBPA rejected a proposal to allow the Universal DH an expanded playoffs for the 2021 season. Uh, I think that, that, that the Universal DH is something that does get done either later this year with another MLB proposal or next offseason for the 2022 season. I don't think it's going to be very long before the Universal DH is across or is, is implemented in the MLB because as much as I do love to see pitchers try to hit, for an average baseball fan, that's not exciting. That's not exciting at all. Watching a guy strike out, Maybe lose his bat in the process, look foolish at the plate. Not exciting. I'm sorry. It's not. Um, expanded playoffs could be cool, but uh, the, the MLB and the MLBPA still have a few disagreements there as well. Uh, Andleton Simmons signs with the Minnesota Twins. If he can you know, produce with the bat, he's a, he's a big pickup for them. It's great uh, for Minnesota. He's a whiz defensively. He's a fantastic defensive shortstop and, uh, and great for them in that sense. But you'd like to see a little bit more from the bat of Andleton Simmons, and we'll see if he finds that uh, in his time in Minnesota. Tommy Lestella signs with the Giants. Lestella's had a great couple of years at the bat. He's all right defensively. He's, he's not going to wow you uh, defensively. He is versatile, though. Uh, and that versatility can be used for, for the Giants. He can play first, second, third, some corner outfield positions as well. Maybe he platoons with Evan Longoria because Lestella is a left-handed bat. Maybe you have Lestella hit, uh, hit against righties and Longoria against lefties um, in the National League West if you are the San Francisco Giants. I feel like the NL West has not had a lot of action besides the San Diego Padres this offseason. So, I mean, something for the Giants to, somebody for the Giants to pick up, great. Good for them. I don't think the Giants are a playoff team. I, I definitely don't think that this LaSalle edition puts them over the top. Um, but, you know, solid pickup. LaSalle is a solid player. Uh, I like the move. Um, Jock Peterson today, at the time of this recording, Friday, January 29th, signed with the Chicago Cubs. Um, he is he is a he's a big bat. Not so great defensively. He can he can make some sliding plays here and there, but he's a, he's a 
power hitter, uh, was in the home run derby in 2019. Um, a solid pickup, kind of a Kyle Schwarber replacement, I would say. Uh, he's he's a guy who who Schwarber is a guy who can hit very well when he's on, um, but isn't much defensively. And and Peterson, I think, is better than Kyle Schwarber defensively. I don't think there's any doubt about that uh, in the outfield. But I, I think they're very similar players. And Kyle Schwarber, of course, signed with the Washington Nationals. Uh, finally, former J. Anthony Bass signed with the Miami Marlins. So good for Anthony uh, getting a contract. I think it's a two-year deal with the Marlins. Bass had a solid year with the Blue Jays. Kind of faded towards the tail end of the, the, the 2020 season. But I do think he is a uh, talented arm. And uh, all the best to him in his time in Miami. It was great to, He was a great personality to have on the team. Uh, interacted with fans on social media all the time. So did one Taiwan Walker. Um, and I think Bass is a good pickup for the Miami Marlins. We'll see if the Marlins contend because I think that last year might have been a one-off. Um, but we'll see what they're able to do in the 2021 season. This concludes episode 62 of 211's Baseball Talk. It was a pleasure to have you back with us for another episode. We'll be back next week. Um, and we thank you all very much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you again to Andrew Stoughton for joining the show. And we'll see you again next week.